Thank you, band, for leading us. Augie is uh, in Waco with uh, some family members, Augie and Hoggy, Ollie and Hoggy, Augie and Holly, and uh, so, uh, well, he just left. Uh, That was Augie's brother, Frank, who usually helps lead. Uh, So what a great musical family. Uh, Their uh, father was a musician and um, just instilled that into them, and it's great to see the blessing of of how that gift is used uh, for the sake of God's glory and for the church and to lead us in uh, to a place of worship. It's hard to believe, but I'm going to say something that, uh, just in case you haven't, in case the haze of of those, that period of time between December 24th and, and like January 7th has you all kind of in, in a haze. Um, tomorrow is the last day of 2018. Just kind of getting you set on the calendar. Which means that Tuesday will be January 1st, 2019. 2019. Doesn't that sound crazy? Let's wake ourselves up in reality. Let's say, let's say the date together, okay? We're going to say January 1st, 2019. We're just going to say it. On Tuesday will be January 1st, 2019. Whether you like it or not, we have arrived. And one of these days will be at 2020. One of these days will be at 2029. God willing, we'll make it that far. My dad always said... And still says that the days go by slow, but the years go by fast. The older I get, the more that feels true. The days go by slow and the years go by fast. Why does it seem that way? I think that is a testament to some way in which we perceive time and Time is very important because we are a people of time. And the danger and the challenge of life is that we would get hung up and bogged down in the ordinariness of the days and lose the extraordinariness of the years. Jesus was born. We celebrated that just this last, just a few days ago right here in this very room. And we lit the Christ candle as a symbol of the very presence of Christ, the light of Christ in the world. Eight days after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to be circumcised, to be named, to be dedicated. And then... They go off to Egypt and up to Nazareth, and and really, he's off the radar screen until he pops back up on the radar screen of history for a day or two when he's 12 years old, and he's in the temple in Jerusalem. And then after that, he pops off the radar screen of history, and we see nothing of Jesus until he's about 30 years old. So we have Christmas, Jesus' circumcision, A moment when he's 12 years old, and then nothing until he is 30. When he comes on the scene and begins to live out the very reason that God put him in this world. For 
approximately three years, Jesus teaches, preaches, heals, casts out demons, picks a lot of fights, gets crucified, buried, raised from the dead. All that in a, a relatively short period of time. 30 years of growing up, three years of public ministry, 30 years of ordinary, three years of extraordinary. That's a strange ratio, isn't it? The ratio of ordinary to extraordinary. For, for Jesus, it was roughly 10 to 1. For every 10 years of just ordinary, was one year of extraordinary. This is really true for anything in life. For every game that an athlete plays, there are weeks and even years of practice behind it. For every musical piece that someone plays or performs, for every great speech that is given, for every shining moment, there are thousands of ordinary moments. Often those moments are dull, boring, not spectacular at all. And yet without those moments, those ordinary moments, you would never have the extraordinary. Without the days that are long, you would never have the years. And so I think the key to life is in the days, isn't it? The key to life isn't just the, the last few days of the year, the first few days of next year. It's, it's those 363 stinking days in between, isn't it? Beautiful, wonderful, glorious days. And so as the days go by slowly and mostly ordinary, ordinarily, let's look at the life of Jesus real quick. Because Jesus didn't just hang out playing games on his phone if he had one for 30 years until God said, hey, time's come, let's go. No, God was developing Jesus as a real human being and as the Son of God. God was developing him through those times. Luke 2.52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Okay, let's leave that scripture up there. Just let those first five or six words soak in. Jesus increased in wisdom and in years. Have you ever just paused to think about that verse? That Jesus didn't come into this world fully equipped with everything He needed, but that God grew in Jesus, that, that God allowed Jesus to develop. He was without sin, but he developed in wisdom as he developed in years. If Jesus himself grew from that baby into that man who gave his life for you and me, then it's likely true that God wants us also to grow in wisdom as we grow in years. There's this sense of development. Sometimes we forget that Jesus grew up, that he had to increase in wisdom. 
And so we must ask ourselves, are we growing in wisdom as we're growing in years? And what better time to do that than the last Sunday of the year, right? As the years go by and as we come to this place of wrapping up 2018 and like it or not, passing into 2019, we see that that our lives are really a result of these ordinary days that we have lived. And that is why I think it is important to reflect at these moments in life, at these milestones, the passing of a year. Because when we reflect, when we pay attention, then we will know where we're at in life and where we want to be. Correction where God wants us to be. It's kind of like a little checkpoint. But this presents many problems. The first kind of problem is that many of us just don't want to reflect, do we? We do not want to look back on our lives for many reasons. Maybe it's because we're too disappointed with where we are at in life. Maybe our relationships are not what we dreamed of them being. Maybe we feel like we didn't accomplish enough or still are not accomplishing enough. Maybe we're just still caught up in unhealthy and even sinful habits that we just can't seem to shake. And these kinds of realities are why so many people just kind of give up at these turn-of-the-year moments. Give up on reflecting and and give up on dreaming of something new, something different, other than a calendar year. That's a problem. The second type of problem is that some of us are deceived into thinking that, that we can reach all of our goals by relying on human effort alone. This is a form of pride often more associated with people who are in the younger years of their life before the reality of the ordinary days sink in. And so there's a sense of hope for the future, but often that hope will meet its match as the ordinary days take their toll in life. So here we are again at this point of needing to reflect, but we have this resistance to it. Resistance on one hand and false hope on the other. And this, my brothers and sisters, where as followers of Jesus, I want to invite us to see where we need grace. Lots and lots of grace. If you believe in grace, then you will have the courage to look back upon your life, to look back upon your 2018. If you believe in grace, you will give yourself permission to lament over your failures in the past. If you believe in grace, you will give yourself permission to lament and acknowledge your own sins whether those are sins of commission, sins that you committed, or whether those are sins of omission, where you didn't do the things God was leading you and calling you to do. 
If you believe in grace, you will be able to ask for and seek for forgiveness for those sins. And you will be able to have those sins cleared away from your heart and your mind. You will be able to start clean again. When Jesus shared in the Last Supper, He looked at His disciples and He held a a cup of wine up and shared it with them and said, This is My blood. It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Because of this cup, this cup right here that we will drink from in just a few moments, we can come and reflect on our 2018 with honesty about ourselves and before God with our lives. We can come to a place of honest confession as we pour out our hearts before Him. We can say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive me, for I have sinned against you and others. And when we embrace grace, we get clean about our past. And when we get clean with our past, then we can rightly and appropriately look forward. But if we never get clean with our past, it's, it's kind of hard to move forward in life, dragging all that stuff, isn't it? Baggage. Hebrews 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 21 and 22. Since we have a great high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's leave that scripture up there for a second. So the focus here is, is on the things of the past being clean. And while the things of the past are, are cleansed in us, we can, we can therefore go forward. And the going forward here is into the very presence of God to approach with our hearts the throne of God. And so, when we embrace grace, we allow Jesus to deal with our past. And when we embrace grace, we allow Jesus to go before us into the future. Both of those are necessary. And here we are, right in the middle of the past and the future. Which is where we always are, right? So what does this future look like? If if God through Jesus has made everything possible for our past to be cleansed, what about our future? If we can get to that place, where, where are we going with that? Does this simply mean we make New Year's resolutions and try to be better people? Well, that's not too bad of a thing, but is that the, the bullseye of what God is calling us to, is just to be better people? Well, maybe God is leading you to a resolution. Maybe it has to do with taking care of this body that God gave you. Maybe it has to do with your mind or your prayer and devotional life. Maybe it has to do with being more engaged in your community or in your relationships or in service or in generosity to others. 
I'm not going to make that resolution for you. I invite you to consider where God is leading you in that. But let me say this. It's a part of our nature to want to be better if we have the courage to think about it. To strive to be better. And that's because we were made in the image of God. Just as Christ, who is the image of God, who is God Himself, grew in wisdom, we're made to grow in wisdom. We're made to grow up. We're made to mature. We're made to be different this year than we were last year and different next year than we are this year. That's what growing is all about. Too often, though, we go for it in the wrong way. It's misdirected. We tend to strive and to reach and to try to control our own transformation. We were made in the image of God, but for our ancestors, it was not enough to live in God's image. They, and I guess you could say we, didn't want to just bear God's image. We wanted to be God. When Adam and Eve reached out to grab that fruit of the tree, they weren't just grabbing for food. They were grabbing for godliness, to be God themselves. The Tower of Babel, when the people gather together, the corporate enterprise, to build a tower up into the heavens, it's, it's to be God or to be like God, as that serpent had falsely promised. And we have been striving and reaching ever since, rooted in human effort. And too often, New Year's resolutions feels like just one more reach. One more striving, one more self-improvement plan, one more way of whipping yourself in the back to make yourself worthy. That's not rooted in grace. And so what if there was another way? What if we reached and strived less and worshipped more? What if we posture ourselves not to grab, but to receive? What if we let go of our pride and humbled ourselves before God? What if we allow 2019 to be a year of growing in faith and growing in trust of God? of growing in humility, a year of worship. What if this whole renewal of life is not really about us as much as it about a binding relationship between us and God? A relationship between God and His people is called a covenant. In the Old Testament, King Josiah held a renewal of the covenant between God and Israel. Israel had strayed in so many ways, allowed all kinds of false gods and idols to come into their land and their temple. Uh, they failed to love their neighbors and to take care of the people around them. They, they were major failures at being who God made them to be. And Josiah gets rid of all the idols, 
cast everything out that's associated with idolatry and restores true worship of the one living God right in the middle of the people. Here it says in 2 Kings 23.1, Then the king directed that all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem should be gathered to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord and with him went all the people of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, keeping his commandments, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book. All the people joined in the covenant. This renewal of covenant. Our resolutions are not meant to be just simple self-help, self-improvement endeavors. It's about restoring our covenant with God. It's about learning to, to turn faithfully back to God who has always been faithful to us. Every part of your life that is, is meant to be an improvement of whatever must be and is only an improvement if it improves your relationship to God. Another example of a covenant renewal is John Wesley's watch night service, which was usually held at the turn of the year. This was a, a worship service that John Wesley uh, uh, created, and uh, the people called Methodists all the way back in the 1700s did this at least once a year uh, as a people. The service involved confessing of the sins of the past and resolving in the future to live for Christ. There was a sense of repentance, a sense of renewal, a sense of, of just acknowledging where, where they'd gone astray and where they wanted to go when their hearts and minds were right with God. Covenant means that as followers of Jesus, we are bound not to just live for ourselves, but to live for Jesus who gave his life up for us, that our lives are his and that our plans must fit within his plans but in order to do that there are points in your plan where you must surrender your plan to his there are times in life where you having your way and god having his way are going to clash and that's the point of decision are you going to pridefully keep your way or worshipfully, humbly, and trustfully say, Lord, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Are you willing to surrender your 2019 to Jesus? Are you willing to let Jesus lead you to do things, say things, go places that you would not have chosen otherwise? Often when we surrender to Christ, we'll find ourselves doing things that might be uncomfortable. Things that we're not used to doing. Saying things, and maybe even being in the presence of people, that if we just continued our normal course of life, we wouldn't do. God usually calls us to those new kinds of places here and there. Are you willing to become a different person in 2019? 
allowing your old self to continue to die and your new self created in Christ to emerge from you. Are you willing to hold that vision before you even in the ordinary days? I think that's what real worship is. Last week I challenged you to to worship. To let your lives be defined by worship. Worship is when we offer ourselves to God and we say, God, I don't have to be in charge of transforming my own life. I just have to offer myself to you to change me, to transform me, to do the work in me. Just as Moses comes down off that mountain, who's in the presence of the glory of God and finds himself transformed, we too, when we come before the Lord, are transformed. And often again, day in, day out, day in, day out. And you may not notice it from Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday to Friday, but if you continue to offer yourself up to Him, you will look back someday and you will notice, wow, I'm, 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 there's a noticeable difference between who I am now and who I was at that point in my life. Here is the prayer of surrender in that watch night service that John Wesley wrote. It's a famous prayer. I want to read it to you. I think it's on the screen as well. I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth Let it be ratified in heaven. That's a tough prayer to pray, isn't it? Sometimes I pray that prayer and I get to this place where it says, let me be full, let me be empty. I don't know if I can do that all the way. But this prayer is prayed from a place of full trust in God. This is whatever whatever happens in my life, God, I'm going to give my heart to you. You see, as we look into the future, I can't tell what's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to come back in 2000 and on December 30th, 2019, and you're going to look back on the past year, and you're going to say, wow, I could have never seen that coming. You look back on this year, either your personal life or the people around you or in the world we live in, there's a lot that goes on that we cannot predict and we cannot control. But the one guarantee that you and I have as we look into this next year is that we have a God who will never leave us or forsake us. That is the one guarantee. That's worth hanging on to. And I would rather have that than anything else. We are blessed, my friends. Let's allow ourselves to embrace grace. Grace that will give us courage 
to look back. Grace that will give us the courage to look forward. Let us pray. Lord, you're the author of all time. You've created and ordained and given us the days and the years. And we get to live inside of those days and years. And every single day is a blessing and is a gift. Lord, would you give us hearts to acknowledge that? Would you give us open hearts to receive, to be grateful? Would you let your spirit bear witness with our spirit that we are your children? We pray that you would allow the spirit of forgiveness to come into our hearts. That we would accept what you have done for us to be our defining part of our story. Not our screw-ups or our mess-ups or the things other people did to us, but what you have done for us. And so we take our past and we lay it down at your feet. We lay it down at the cross. And we take our future, God, and we give it up to you. We offer it to you. Say, be Lord over our lives and our days. We worship you today, O Lord. Come. In your name we pray. Amen. On the night that Christ gave himself up for us. He took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Take this and eat this in remembrance of me. He then took a cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. This is a new covenant that I make with you. Take this and drink this in remembrance of me. Would those who are serving please come forward as we pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we would be the body of Christ, redeemed by your blood. Make us one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry until Christ returns and we feast at your heavenly banquet. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. just want to remind us that this is not a Methodist table or a member's table, that this is Christ's table. And Christ our Lord invites to this table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, who seek to live in peace with God and one another. If that's you, this is your table. You're welcome to come down the center aisle, put your connect card and offering in the basket, and then make your way to one of the two stations. Tear off a piece of the bread, dip the bread in the cup. Let it be the very presence of Christ broken and shed for you. Take it into your body. And then you can spend some time at the prayer rails if you like and make your way outside to your seat. We also have gluten-free elements here. If that is what you need or prefer, just simply come to this table and help yourself. The very presence of God is here. 
Christ is waiting on us. I invite you to stand. And when you're ready, come and receive.